Hey friends, welcome to episode 10 of the Process Podcast. Katie and I are now old hands at working together. This is going to be smooth sailing, I'm sure of it. Smash cut to building falls down. How's uh, how's your week? How, how are things? You went to you went on a trip to uh, Indianapolis, I right? Did. For a wedding? I did, the had weekend. Some, um, some, there was some psychology at work there, I'm sure. There's always psychology at work. <laughs> Yes, it was the, I was telling you, the first wedding of a child, one of our friend's children. Not of a child. Yeah, that doesn't sound great. (laughs) We went to a child wedding. Already. It was in Afghanistan. Smooth sailing. What were you just saying? (laughs) Jesus. The child of a friend. So that is how old we officially are. There's Mm -hmm. no getting around it. And it was, it was really interesting. This is a group of John, my husband's friends, Mm -hmm. great group of friends from college. And they stick together partly because they've had so many weddings to go to over the decades, Mm -hmm. you know, their first and some of them, their second weddings. And it's all, they're also not a crew that's afraid of celebrating anything, much less weddings. So they've Mm -hmm. been epic events and this was a very different scene. Uh, We were all, I think, a lot more thoughtful and reflective. And I think a lot of that is the forced perspective of how freaking fast time goes. Mm. It stands Mm -hmm. still from birth until I think really age 30 Mm -hmm. and then 30 to 50. It's a flash. Is that because of having kids? It just becomes Groundhog Day or what's going on there? Uh, Do you want the, yes, at many levels. I have many levels to answer this question. There's also my neurological theory as well. I want to give people a little sense of what we're going to do today, and then we're going to come back to that. So we're going to do a couple of segments a little later. One, we're going to bring back wins and losses, which is us talking a little bit about uh, what went well and what didn't go so well this week for us personally, in the hopes that you, dear listener, can relate to that. And then we're going to introduce a segment called Behind the Scenes, where I'm going to ask Katie about something I'm seeing in the world that she can potentially diagnose. So back to, though, this sense of time going quickly, because I think there's a lot of value in a discussion around that, because I'm seeing so many people who are dissatisfied with their lives. And one of the things that happens when you are dissatisfied with your life is that you look up 15 years later and you're like, oh, wow, that just blew past me. Right. Yes. So. Okay, so what's going on neurologically when time seems to be going by quickly? So, yeah, and I will say a lot of it is related to how busy we all become. But I think, again, this is not proven, already off to a great start, but I think it has a lot to do with how we process information. And when you think about it as children, everything is new. And whenever anything is new, we talked about that last week a little bit with novel stimuli. Mm -hmm. We process it at every level sound, sight, everything. Mm -hmm. And it slows down. It slows down time. Things feel effortful in our processing. The first time we go anywhere, we are paying attention to every single detail, what people are looking, what people are saying, hopefully, and certainly as a child. So I think things tend to move along a little slower. As we go through, we're making templates. We are auto-filling. We've been there before. Again, from an evolutionary perspective, it makes sense. We're not learning things new every time, not completely overwhelmed with with newness and being consumed by it. Mm. More autopilot, more bandwidth to learning new things, but the result is we're auto-filling left and right. And I think that's a lot of 
why time tends to pass more quickly and why, again, it's so important to be mindful and force ourselves back to that effortful processing, being present. Mm -hmm. As you were talking about that, you mentioned our childlike state of everything being new. And that made me think about how we always talked as kids about, wow, that summer really flew by, right? And it, you'd be like, well, was that just because I was, I was having fun and I didn't, and I think it goes back to what you're saying that a lot of times in the summer you go into a kind of repeat day of just every day it, I get up and then I, you know, we go do the chores and then play a little baseball mm-hmm. and then, and then it just would fade into the next day. Whereas school inevitably brings a lot of new experiences, whether that's socially or academically or sports wise, you don't think about like how, how many memories are being laid down in a, in a game. Right. Or in a, at a dance or something like that. Right. Whereas you just sitting by the pool or or on your couch or me at the plant nursery when I was 14, like (laughs) nothing about that was particularly new or interesting. Yeah, I think so. And even so, even when it felt like it flew by, Mm -hmm. summers lasted forever compared to now where we are literally getting out of school and then it's back to school shopping ads on TV a week later. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that experience we felt this weekend and we have to enjoy it. We have to be mindful. We can't sweat the small stuff, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which literally and figuratively applied to me this weekend. Being an indie in 90 mm. degree weather in a wedding attire that mm. was too small since I've not had to wear <laughs> such attire in so long. So, yeah. So that, uh, that might be a good segue into wins and losses. What uh, losses and wins? Losses and losses. What uh, what was a win for the week from a and and I think it's important to to frame what we're talking about, not just a win of like I uh, had an amazing meal, but more in terms of your processes in general, things that you're working on or working toward. What was a win this week? Okay, I think this will count. So relatedly, wedding is on my brain. We had an experience last week. So we've obviously had this plan for a while. There were eight couples. um, No, I'm sorry, four couples. So eight of us flying in from all over the country. Got an Airbnb, as one does a couple months ago. Big house. Time we can hang out between events. We were scheduled to fly out on Friday. I woke up at 4.45 because I have a huge morning routine, which we'll talk about later. Uh, And the first thing I get is a text, not even a text, but a Venmo comment and $1,500 being refunded to me from the woman of the Airbnb stating, I have to cancel your reservation. Here's your money. Not even an I'm sorry or anything. Yowza. Yowza is right. So less than 48 hours before Mm. we have to do this. So my response triggered threat response mm-hmm. to end all threat responses, uh, fearful, anxious, catastrophizing. This is going to blow the whole weekend. We're not going to find anything. Um, the indignance, mm-hmm. right? People mm-hmm. are not supposed to act this way. How can they do that? What piece of poop? In fact, I think I had penned quite a response and that was part of it. Does this to somebody? You can't do this to people. And I just all of a sudden felt overwhelmed upset. Should I wake up John who's snoring and in a peaceful state? How are we going to figure this out? 
And I knew I had to go into my meditation because that's part of my early morning routine. And I started and I'm continuing to ruminate this. I'm replaying it. I mean, she sent one text telling me this isn't going to happen. And what did I do? I spent the next hour, hour and a half replaying it. And I had this movie going of how our weekend was going to be ruined. And I was completely thrown off track. Right. Mm -hmm. And something told me just stop. Mm. Put a pause between part of it is don't waste this meditation time. But it's forced pausing. Right. Mm. Put a pause between the trigger and your reaction, mm-hmm. which I kind of did. <laughs> I slowed it down. I mm-hmm. didn't let it continue because this is what happens with this. And the impact is I'm indignant. I'm angry. I'm that, How is that impacting how I treat my children? Because I'm now stressed in the morning who inevitably will be behind schedule getting ready for school. Impact John, impact my clients later on. And just the, the myopic vision of mm. being so stressed and not being able to find another place and it doesn't make us very resourceful and creative. And so I stopped and I had some space and I literally asked myself this, how do I know, why am I assuming we won't find a better place or this won't work out? We never go there. Mm -hmm. Let me put some space. How am I better off? Hey, it might be kind of fun to look for places. I have the time this afternoon. I'm literally forcing that perspective. Mm. And sure enough. Mm. So Woke John up, wasn't as stressful. I said, we're going to get this done. He ended up finding an amazing place, pool, great, worked out. There were some things that, you know, a little further away, we had to share a bathroom, but just told myself, I'm not working hard enough to find what's good. Mm. We got to laugh about sharing the bathroom. We got to have more time in the car, Mm. but it didn't derail my whole day. So I'm counting that as a win. That does sound like a win. So was it a a matter of engaging a strategy kind of overtly was the win? Like, Like knowing, recognizing this is the path I'm going down. So therefore, I need to engage with this protocol, yep. more or less. Yep. And the protocol is this, identifying what's going on. So mm-hmm. first and foremost, let me look at the t- catastrophizing that's taking place. Let me look at the impact of that, how it's not only going to impact me emotionally and be a stress. If it's a stress for five seconds of my day, not good. I'm the one carrying that weight. Again, mm-hmm. it had nothing to do with her. Um, and then how can it impact me going forward? And then putting in the strategy of... How can I be better? How can I reframe this? How can I look for genuine ways that this could be a good thing? Mm. And then we were. We were resourceful. We were creative. And we found a good place. I think this is uh, an interesting vein. And and I want to mention to listeners that uh, we will say this again at the, the end of the podcast. But if you have experienced something similar when it comes to uh, – change of plans, crisis, where you didn't respond well, or, uh, or maybe you did respond well, we'd love to hear about that. Cause I think that's something that we're all facing right now. Um, you can email us at podcast at create your And, uh, we'd love to maybe share that with the world or commiserate with you. It's interesting that you're talking about this to me because my loss for the week was, a similar situation where I went to Hertz to rent a truck in order to move a bunch of stuff out of storage into the processes headquarters. That's a big part of what we're doing right now. We've leased a space. And so there's going to be a lot of moving shit from there to there. And when I showed up at 10, 15 for my 10 o'clock rental, he was like, does it have to be a truck? <laughs> that's not a good sign. <laughs> Cause yeah, it needs to be a truck. It like it's not, it's not, I didn't rent a Chevy Cobalt and now he's like, well, could it be a Ford Fiesta? Yeah, of course. It doesn't matter. That doesn't, who cares? Or we're going to have to upgrade you to this nicer car. Sure. But it needs to be a motherfucking truck. Like that's what 
the deal is. Um, and I did not handle it great. <laughs> and I did, wonder if... did not pause no, between trigger and because reaction. Because I also was struggling in that... I was like, no, guys, no, I, I have to have a truck. I'm renting this from you for two weeks to be doing a bunch of errands. Like, And I think I was also annoyed because, like you, I was... Uh, miffed by the human behavior aspect because I was like just first of all why couldn't you have called me and said like hey man the truck's not here can we could you do it at two can we give you 50 bucks back whatever you know plus I've already prepaid 750 dollars for this so I'm already on the hook for the money and then they're just like well we could have called you but what would 30 minutes have saved you I was like well I wouldn't be here right now wow so so it was that like it took me a long time to go through what you went through quickly where mm-hmm. I was thinking, okay, let's look at it from their perspective. First, they work at Hertz. They don't care about their jobs or me. <laughs> Possibly. And, and that's a whole other discussion. Um, but I think thinking about from their perspective, they didn't know that it was urgent that it was a truck. They might have thought, oh, this guy's just renting any car that'll do. And he just thought, I'll get this truck. So... I think it was, I was sort of like preset to be stressed because I already knew that a lot was hinging on getting this truck. Of course. Right. Like I had to, I was then going to drive out to this storage space and start loading stuff. And I was already worried about that because it was, you know, that was going to be stressful in and of itself. Yes. So I had already kind of like primed myself to be reactive. Um, and I think that's, that's part of the lesson too, is going into things, knowing that the worst case scenario is not that bad. Right. And what I will say, these both of these examples, right? Mm-hmm. No lodging, no truck, pretty legitimate threat responses. What I will say, though, at baseline, Paul, we are threat detectors and threat responders. We have that machinery hardwired. Mm-hmm. And just because we don't have a lot of, most of us, thankfully, actual threats in our lives, we don't have the grizzly bears chasing us down, we now manufacture that. Yeah. And when they're obvious in these situations, may not be a grizzly bear, but these are pretty close, mm-hmm. kind of. Mm-hmm. But it is fighting that hardwired survival threat instinct that's tough. It gets away from us. Yeah, and I, and I wonder, too, if some of the answer is actually, I've been reading a lot about things like um, cold plunges and other things that put your body into a state of stress on purpose in mm-hmm. a measured way. Things like working out really hard can do that also because it sort of seems like a threat to your body just as a from a fatigue response and that kind of thing. Every time I get on the bike, it is a threat to my body. <laughs> right. Correct. So, so thinking about like what are some things, controlled threats we can put ourselves into that then because I notice about myself if I've worked out if I've meditated if I've done my writing all the things that I think are challenging then other stuff starts to wash off pretty quickly yes so like thinking about well if if the guy it hurts is really getting under my skin maybe the issue is also my skin maybe I need a tougher skin that I can build by putting myself in unfamiliar or threatening situations. Yes. And the beauty of that is that's what you have control over. You do not have control over the Hertz employee who may or may not be hating his life and his job Mm -hmm. and how he should or shouldn't react. Anytime we fall into that, this is not how it should be. People are not behaving how they should be talking, believing, saying Mm -hmm. whatever. That is a good sign for us that we are arguing with what is arguing with reality and we will lose. So what can we do? And I think like, you know, one thing that I've, 
thought about a lot um, in the last 10 years of my life when it comes to conflict resolution with relationships, friends, employees, whatever, starting with I feel mm. instead of you did. Yes. Right. So thinking about how could I come up with a strategy where if you are painfully vulnerable when that hurts person does that, if you're able to just say, look, look, I'm feeling really hurt and scared right now and start there as opposed to you did this thing. You know what I mean? Always. So maybe that's my personal kind of my protocol is to go back to I feel I feel I feel I'm experiencing this is this absolutely mm -hmm. because that's the bottom line it's how we're projecting out to the world how we're understanding feeling mm -hmm. yes and then we're not attacking when you say you you're attacking and people become defensive and then you're not connecting yeah, no resolution nobody gets anywhere and I but I also love that exposure idea and I want to talk about that more so finding ways we can behaviorally put ourselves in situations that are uncomfortable that we typically avoid and that therefore reinforce that mm -hmm. being comfortable with discomfort mm -hmm. and figuring out how we manage our way out of that whether it's physical discomfort in the freaking cold bath goodness <laughs> or dealing with enterprise or hurts rental car people yeah and i think that's you know in thinking about um situations and in in social situations which may actually go into what we're going to talk about next maybe we'll just go ahead and get into that i've been thinking a lot about how because of corona time people I think are more afraid of social situations than ever before in part because they're rusty, right? Mm. Like I've seen a lot of people who are socially rusty and it, it comes out. And I, so I'm actually, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, prejudice you, but I do want to ask you this question in our, in the segment called behind the scenes. I've been in a lot of coffee shops lately. I'm always in coffee shops. I'm always sitting in coffee shops, writing, working, doing all my stuff. It's one of the places where I can find kind of a Zen state, like find a flow state. Mm -hmm. Even this was true. Even in LA, when I was running writer's block, I would never actually write at writer's block because it was my job. And so then therefore it was difficult to not get interrupted by people like, Hey, can you come make coffee or whatever it is? So I'm a veteran of the coffee shop scene. And I've noticed in the last six months or so, people have lost their goddamn minds when it comes to their behavior. Like they're on zoom calls. There's dogs that are like, I was in a coffee shop the other day and this like wolf sized dog was just bellering across the coffee shop. And I was like, there's no way I'm wrong here by being disturbed by this. This is crazy. It's like there's a caged beast inside this concrete cell so what is happening with the world when it comes to this? Like, it just seems like people are very quick to worry about like, well, I have to be comfortable. So that, but then it doesn't matter what everybody else wants or needs. What's happening, Katie? Please just diagnose the world for me. Help me. Please help me. Good job with the neutral presentation and not biasing me in any way, shape or form. I have no response to the dire wolf. How, how can I respond to this objectively? <laughs> Um, okay. Here's where I go. Mm. There's something wrong with the world. People are acting this way that they shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. Who is suffering with that heuristic, that lens, that belief? Just 
me or you. Absolutely only you. Right. Is the dire wolf's suffering? Is Doing the great. person with their dire wolf? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. But what impact does it have on you when you're sitting in that coffee shop and you're looking at this dog? What was it? Bellering? <laughs> yeah. Like, I guess bellow is the actual word, but bellering is what we would say in Kansas. Oh, okay. So it was a bellering. pronunciation thing. Good. Yeah. But I like to ask because my vocabulary is fading as I age. Um, so bellowing or bellering mm-hmm. in Just, in the in the coffee shop, people are 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 having a good time, living their lives, right? But who's suffering? What's the impact on you mm. emotionally? Well, I think it was. I think it's. Uh, it is a fight or flight response because I'm like so engaged with what I'm working on that it's fear. Yes, like it's an actual tangible. What just happened? situation, right? Like the, my brain is freaking out. Yes. Physiologically, what happens when you freak out, when your brain heart rate out. goes up, yep. um, there's a sense of, uh, surprise mm-hmm. or, um, general, you know, the body's flooded with all the, uh, hormones of like, we got to go adrenaline bursts, etc. Yes. So even though you're not a neuroscientist, what happens to that rational, logical part of our brain, that frontal lobe, the cortex? Goes away. Shuts off. Why? Why does it do that? Really important that it does that. Mm -hmm. If you're being chased by a bear, you don't want to be considering the impact of how fast the bear is running or is he really serious? Is he that hungry? Because again, you will be eaten. Mm -hmm. You may be eaten by the dire wolf, but in this situation, Mm -hmm. right? Not getting your work done impacts you there. Mm -hmm. Then what happens? Uh, and then it's uh, annoyance, similar to what we were discussing earlier with why won't that person just behave like a person? Is society crumbling around us? <laughs> yes, good. <laughs> Catastrophize it fully. Yes, like, right. This is a sign that the apocalypse is nigh. Yeah. We can't just sit here with this one interaction between ourselves and whoever's next to us. Mm-hmm. It becomes a society issue and problem. And that's not, it's not threat enough as it is. So let's just layer it on. Right. And right. continuing to feel stressed, continuing to feel powerless, continuing to impact us. We get angrier. Mm-hmm. We're creating our own suffering. So... What I'm also going to jump ahead to is thinking about the impact of the internet as a way to exacerbate this, right? So like when you, when each of us feels, when I feel the world is crumbling, Mm -hmm. right? And then I'm reinforced by being online Mm -hmm. where I am being targeted by basically ads. They are all ads, even though they may not seem like ads. It's all advertising to scare you, right? And I think it's interesting how infrequently that happens when you are out in the world, when you're out in nature, right? When I was at the Black Crows concert with your husband this weekend, right? And you're in a self-contained situation and you're like, oh, people are mostly nice. People are just trying to get through their day. Like everything is functioning pretty well. But then when something bad happens and then you make it worse by spending a bunch of time online to either you think maybe help yourself, but you're actually doing the opposite. Distract, Mm -hmm. give reasons for your threat. The threat response is there. We've created Mm. it. So we actually, despite how uncomfortable it is and how much suffering it's caused, we would rather be right Mm. about our threat hypothesis. So we're going to find all the information we need. That's Mm. a safety, comfortable being right means we're not going to die off. It's survival. However, it's compounding our suffering. Mm. The internet always compounds suffering, suffering. period, right? So distraction, trying to find that, and it just 
it, it, it exacerbates everything. So, okay. So, so what we've, I think gotten to is the behind the scenes here is that it's mostly a me problem. Only always, but it's good to find, and it's not a me problem in that, oh, here's yet something else I've got to fix or figure mm-hmm. out. It's up to me now. Oh, yay. Here's something else I get to fix and look at differently right. because I'm the one impacted by this. And so understanding this belief. So so what, like what advice do you give people when it comes to this instinct we've all, so what I would say about myself is that for 10 years, things like Twitter and social media in general were, I think at some, there was a time when it was a pretty a generally neutral outlet where I felt like I'm having fun going on here and posting a quip or a witticism, right? Now it seems like it's distinctly negative, <laughs> but my brain is still a little bit wired to the time when I was like, but I love this, mm-hmm. you know? What are you telling people that, because you're dealing with this all the time and obviously, you know, not getting into specifics, but you must be seeing this kind of thing more often. So is there something that you're telling people that has been effective in this regard? Yeah. So again, I think it gets back to how am I looking at the situation? So it's really easy for me to find the negative. Maybe it was harder before. Mm -hmm. How then can I find the neutral again? What piece of evidence can I find that is still enjoyable for me Mm -hmm. on, on Twitter Um, and how can I focus more on that? And these other things, the negativity, looking at that for what it is. Am I letting this bother me? Am I being impacted by this in a way that that makes sense? And of course, yeah, you have some, what is it? Troll gets on you. It's hard not to be impacted by that, but end of the day, it's our reaction to that. And so if I know this is something that's going to make me upset, Let me find something else to do. Mm -hmm. If I know, what am I seeking for? It's that awareness of why am I going on here in the first place? Is it distraction? In which case, there's plenty of other things I can do to find distraction without having that added suffering piece. Mm -hmm. Is it that I'm really making this more painful because I'm focusing on the two negative comments and really, wow, look, when I actually look at the reality, there's probably 15 really funny tweets you, know, you can't find anything funnier than on Twitter still. I'm, mm-hmm. I try to quit it. I try. <laughs> and I can't because you come back to that. And so let me really relish in that. Mm-hmm. Our perception, our story that we're telling ourselves, that's what matters. Yeah. And I, I think, too, trying experiments with yes. this, right, where I, you know, we, we didn't get fully into the wins and losses, but um, one of my wins from the week was... I mentioned, and you know this, that I saw the Black Crows with John on (laughs) Sunday. And while I was waiting for the parking lot to clear, to leave, I was checking to see what shows were upcoming at Red Rocks because Red Rocks is amazing. And I saw that on Tuesday night this week, Dwight Yoakam was playing. And I love Dwight Yoakam. I don't know why. I'm not actually that big of a country fan, but there's something about Dwight Yoakam that's just so good. So I texted my friend Scott, who you know, and I was like, hey, man, tickets are like they're down to like twenty five dollars. Let's go watch Dwight Yoakam because we have this inside joke about another time that we were supposed to see him, which doesn't matter to this story at all. And so I went to Dwight Yoakam. He played with this band called Old Crow Medicine Show, which I knew very little about. Um, But I was actually really happy with that experience, not just because Red Rocks is amazing and not just because Dwight Yoakam is like the coolest 64 year old in the world because he is. But also because it's it so detaches you from your phone and from the internet. Just having a true like life experience where, yes, 
maybe I would have had a better next day if I hadn't stayed out till 1130. Oh my God. <laughs> Man. But that in some ways it actually like helped me have a better next day because I was so engaged with the world. Right. So in talking about this idea of doing experiments on like, well, here's the thing, Paul, you're so much better off going out to a rock show that might keep you up late as opposed to staying in your house and being either online or tempted to be online or using all that willpower to stay offline. Yeah. Those experiences then result in better outcomes. So how do we start to have more of those? Yes. It's, it's forced presence as mm-hmm. well, getting yourself out there. It's funny because a lot of my Red Rocks used to have really negative Red Rocks experiences. You oh. said, oh, it was, that used to be my thing. You know, mm-hmm. I'd go and I'd find the threat response, the people who are out of control. I couldn't you know, get to the bathroom <laughs> quick enough. I couldn't exit quick enough. Sort of a, a window into my neurotic brain. Mm-hmm. And again, just pointing out the differences in lenses of an right. experience. But I too had to find this the the way that red rocks calmed me it was beautiful i could focus on that as opposed to um the person in front of me who you know took mushrooms all night and is now regurgitating their beef stick that or whatever they (laughs) ate um and and not getting locked down on that but you're right the experiments the behavioral experiments are so important a it gives us that immediate evidence that a lot of these rules that we're creating again they're just beliefs they're just thoughts if i go i'm going to be tired the next day. If I go, it's going to impact me negatively the next day. Mm-hmm. The catastrophizing, all of that is simply not testing, being aware of and testing some of these mm-hmm. rules that are as arbitrary as anything else. And going there tests them and we get to see a different outcome. Yeah. And so like one thing that, that gets me excited in this realm is when I first went to play basketball in Greece, I was just flabbergasted by how laid back most of my teammates were about like long meals in the middle of the day. Cause I'd be like, we got to go to practice though, guys, what are we doing? I got to get back to my apartment and go through my ritual so that I can get ready. And I think one of the things that you and I will explore a lot throughout this podcast, as long as we get to talk about this is this idea of when we talk about systems and rituals and routines, they aren't necessarily built to be rigid. There's a, There's this fine line, right? So like part of one's process is also finding time to relax or to disengage. And that's something that I've always had to work on. Part of why I get so, why I'm so interested in this idea of systems, habits, and rituals is figuring out when to even start to create rituals in a relaxed way, right? That help your overall process, which is maybe something that I always will have to work on um, because... I think as Americans, we are so attached to like, if I don't get these six emails sent today, I'm a piece of shit. And like the world will come crashing to a halt. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so it's part of what I always want to explore within the context of our discussions is this idea of figuring out how to also relax the right way. Right. And ritual has such a negative connotation. What is ritual? It's routine. It's habit. It's things we do that we don't have to Mm -hmm. think about. And there's no reason why we can't incorporate the things that bring peace, the things that bring creativity, that bring flow, that bring presence into that same routine and ritual. And it has the opposite effect that everybody worries about. My life is, I become a slave. It frees you up. The more you can put on autopilot, Mm -hmm. the more you can go through without a lot of cognitive effort. You have 
the space to be present, to enjoy, to problem solve, to be creative, it increases flow. And so I think, again, why we're such a good pair is you have the expertise in the behavioral ritual side. You know what works. A lot of people, we don't know what works mm-hmm. or we don't think we can do it, which is another really good cognitive rule to challenge. I, I'm not an organized person. Organization is a trait. I'm not a flexible, cognitively flexible person. I'm not a disciplined person. No, all of those things are skills. Just like happiness is a skill, we can all learn them. And a lot of it is understanding what to do, the behavioral tricks, the routines, um, and the rituals, and also the cognitive side. What mm-hmm. rules am I putting up here that's, that's getting in the way? If I think a ritual is boring, if I think a ritual is, is robbing the joy, sucking the joy out of my life, how does that impact me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and thinking about a ritual as a ramp in, right? So in the same way that when you go to church, there are certain rituals you would go through in order to achieve a state of potential bliss in prayer. <laughs> There's a reason we do those things when it comes to like relaxation. I've, I've lit this candle. I've turned off my phone. I've put on soft music and now I'm able to meditate, get a massage, whatever the thing is. So realizing that the ritual is also just a way to tee up the experience. It doesn't have to dominate the entirety of the experience. It's the reset. It's the sync where our brains are synchronizing. That's Mm -hmm. the power of meditation. That's the power of relaxation. That's the power of removing stress from our lives, which again, we have full control over. It resets, it synchronizes literally physiologically what's going on in the brain that does absolutely that ramp up, prime us to be able to really enjoy the things that matter in a way that we not been able to before because when cortisol's on board really hard to mm-hmm. enjoy the black crows or the crowd around you <laughs> or vomiting, the coffee shop or the coffee or the shop dire and lives. dire wolves ladies and gents thanks for listening in um katie thank you for the wisdom as always yes um, you're welcome and uh we'll be back in two weeks if you have questions for us send us a note at podcast at create thanks for listening <laughs>